everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, July 28th, 2019. Of all of the children in Genoa City, don't you think that Christian has the most potential to be really screwed up when he gets to be an adult? Since the day Christian was born, his custody and his parentage have been messed with. Both his maternity and paternity have been messed with. He doesn't even have the same name <laughs> that he had on the day he was born. He was Sully, and then later he was Christian. He was Sharon's for a while, and Sage's for a while, Dylan's, Nick's, even Chelsea pretended to be his mom. <laughs> that scene on Friday where Sharon and Chelsea were sharing stories with Victoria about all of the little games and routines that Christian has. It was hilarious. The only reason that Sharon and Chelsea know so much about him is because this kid has been bounced around more times than a basketball. We've been down this road. We've even been down this road of temporary custody with Christian just a year ago when Christian was taken away from Nick again and placed into Nikki and Victor's care. Can't we all just agree that it's enough already when it comes to Christian and his custody? <laughs> Keep this kid away from the Genoa City bell tower. On Monday, Nick shows up in court without a lawyer. Adam, on the other hand, seems to have a very capable lawyer who he pretty much <laughs> pushed aside so that both guys could just make their own arguments to the judge. Court's in session today with no lawyers. Oh boy, how fun. The judge must have loved that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at first the judge thought, eh, this ought to be entertaining. It'll keep things interesting for me. I've had a boring week. Let's just let these guys go at it. <laughs> Until all hell broke loose. At first, everyone was perfectly poised, though. Nick presented his case all on his own to the judge with some rebuttal from Adam. But I honestly thought that the judge seemed to maybe be swaying in Nick's favor. He seemed to be giving some head nods to Nick and some light um, chastising to Adam, and I thought, oh, well, maybe this is going to work out in Nick's favor until Kevin intercepts the court proceedings. He sends that ridiculous and irrelevant video of Nick in the alleyway unmasking himself as JT, sends it to the news media sends it also to Adam's attorney, who then turns around and shows it to the judge. So with one little click of a button, 
Nick has gone viral and now Nick's life and Nick's home is an unsuitable environment for a little boy. It was pretty great though, the way that Adam pretended to be shocked seeing that video as if he had nothing to do with it, as if he was putting together for the very first time the pieces about what Nick did haunting uh, as JT. He even said something to Nick like, how could you do this to our father? (laughs) It was really great drama, but Nick completely lost his cool. After that, Nick was slinging arrows in Adam's direction, and Adam was slinging arrows in Nick's direction. The judge and Adam's useless attorney were both, like, ducking left and right. It got so crazy. The judge was even like, you know what? Maybe you guys should have just kept your lawyers. (laughs) Maybe we should have just done things the usual way. It was so overwhelming for that poor judge that he had to call a recess before he even made a ruling. He knocked his knuckles on the table, on the boardroom table, since he didn't have a gavel, which I thought was really funny. The fact that he's, (laughs) he called court out of session and then just did a little Knock, knock on the table, pretending that that was his gavel. Do knuckles on the table even still count? I'm wondering if there's any chance we can just get this court proceeding, court ruling thrown right out on the grounds of the judge using knuckles instead of a gavel. (laughs) I don't know. Why not? Anything goes in this town. Doesn't Adam still have incriminating photos of that judge? (laughs) That's what I'm wondering. Like, maybe during that recess would have been the perfect time to bust out those incriminating photos, show them to the judge himself, and make sure that the outcome of the custody hearing was sealed in his favor. But no, that's not what Adam did. Instead, during that recess... Nick goes home to Chelsea to lean on her for support, and Adam pops up at the front door, walks right on in, and he is very confident. He is suggesting to Nick that he already knows that he has won this case, but he will decide to call the whole thing off, drop the custody lawsuit, if Chelsea comes home with him brings Connor and decides to start up their little family again. What? Chelsea said, I'm not going anywhere with you. And Adam then, like a child, says, "Uh, yeah, well, I didn't mean it anyway. I was just testing you to see how far you would go to help Nick. And it turns out not very far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So basically, (laughs) the schoolboy equivalent translation of what happened in that scene was Adam saying, fine, fine then, I didn't like you anyway, and then he kicks dust up in the girl's face and turns on his heels and walks out the door. What does that 
even say about Adam's commitment to having custody of Christian? That was so puzzling. It just seems like he was, I like, I really think he probably would have dropped the custody case, at least temporarily, if he could trade it to get back Chelsea and Connor, who seemed to be his preferred family. Like, that's the family that Adam wants to have. He'll take Christian if he has to, if he can't get his preferred family. But what he really wants is Chelsea and Connor. See, once again, I feel that this is a problem with the writing in the character of Adam. It just feels like he cares more about winning, and specifically winning against Nick, than he does about Christian himself, about his son. He isn't even, he isn't even putting a fraction of the amount of energy toward getting Connor back as he is to getting Christian. And it just really seems like it's motivated by his wanting to win over Nick. I don't know. Maybe now Adam is going to try to go after Connor next. Victor was pressuring Chelsea to bring Connor back to Genoa City, which I don't see how that's going to work out in anybody's favor except for Adam and Victor. Adam and Victor are going to be breathing down Connor and Chelsea's neck. There's no reason why she should bring him back to this town. She should be trying to get out of this town. If Nick's custody is so easily dissolved by Adam releasing that America's Funniest Home video unmasking, <laughs> then proving that Chelsea is an unfit mother should be a cakewalk. The judge calls court back into session, and sure enough, he decides that Nick should not continue to have custody of Christian. But the twist is, guess what? The judge thinks that neither of these jokers should have custody of the child. So, how about another three-month temporary custody situation and we'll just give Christian back to Nick in a few months after we do another paternity test and prove that he's Christian's real father or that's the best I can hope for anyway because otherwise this is just a repeat of what we saw last year and I'm too annoyed <laughs> too annoyed to sit with it In the meantime, I guess that at least we did not send poor little future psycho Christian off to foster care. The judge gives Adam and Nick an opportunity to each nominate someone who could take Christian for this temporary custody. Nick nominates... Victoria, who is ultimately awarded the guardianship. It makes sense. Victoria is Christian's aunt. 
either way. And the boy already knows her, is comfortable with her. There are other children in her house, so that would probably be a good environment for Christian, except for the fact that Billy is screwed up right now, and every week that goes by, Victoria feels less and less human to me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just... I. I'm watching Victoria with Christian this week, and I'm not even sure that she has anything but circuitry and wires going on underneath her surface. She is the least motherly mother on the show. I see no warmth from her, no heart in her whatsoever. And that was a big contrast to seeing Nick's relationship with Christian. I mean, I don't see half the heart in Victoria's relationship with her own children as I do with Nick and Christian. It just about ripped my heart out watching Nick pack up Christian's little backpack, which was a far less sophisticated version of Kevin's backpack. Wayner must have some sort of backpack deal with a backpack manufacturer. <laughs> the show. It's just backpacks, backpacks, backpacks. <laughs> oh. Nick had to tell little Christian that he is going to be staying with Aunt Victoria for a while. Nick was choking back every word that he was saying. He was saying everything through a waterfall of tears. I was praying that YNR wasn't even going to show us that. I didn't even want to see Nick and Christian's goodbye. It was too hard. I don't see how anyone could not empathize with Nick in that moment. Say what you want about Nick. He's handing over the boy that he's raised as his son, considers his son. He's handing over this child, handing over the child's teddy bear and passing him off into the cold, cold bosom of Victoria Newman. It was a real bummer of an episode all the way around. Nick was in tears. Christian was so distraught, he turned into a completely different kid. <laughs> and Chelsea's off in the background saying about how it's all her fault if she had just agreed to Adam's deal to go off and live with him and reunite with him in exchange for dropping Kristen's custody case, then none of this would have been happening. Please, Chelsea, that is ridiculous. Even if she had gone home with Adam, even if she'd married him, brought Connor back to live with them, Adam still would have found a way to have his cake and eat it too. Can we talk for a minute about Adam's nomination for who should have temporary custody of Christian? Sharon? <laughs> okay, um, so Sharon, ex-wife to both of the guys, but also partially the reason that Nick got Christian taken away from him last time, last year. <laughs> Adam shows up on Sharon's doorstep, giving her sexy cry, sympathy eyes, 
And I can't help but think that maybe, just maybe, Sharon would have shut the door in Adam's face if it weren't for a little conversation that she had just had with Chelsea. Okay, first, I can't skip over the fact that Sharon made sure to tell Chelsea, hey, nice to see you again. Thanks so much for confirming for me without a doubt that you were the one who assaulted me before you left town. (laughs) Chelsea readily admitted it and she apologized. For it, Chelsea is back to being a nice girl, a sweetheart. But then Chelsea tells Sharon that Sharon should be apologizing for everything that's going on with Adam right now, for being the one who brought him back into town uh, and making him want custody of Christian. And Connor, uh, okay. But the realizing on top of the cake of that conversation was Chelsea saying that it's all kind of Sharon's fault because Sharon has so much influence over Adam because Sharon is the true love of Adam's life. She's the only one who can save him now. Man. Man, oh, see, if if Chelsea would have said that Sharon was the true love of Adam's life back in 2012, <laughs> then I would have been like, yeah, Adam and Sharon. But here Chelsea is now, standing there, talking about her relationship with Adam that lasted the better part of a decade. I mean, it was Chelsea and Adam against the world. Never a mention of Sharon. Never a insecurity about Sharon. And yet Chelsea's standing there as if her relationship with Adam was nothing and it was Sharon all along. Always Sharon, who Adam deeply loved and she always knew it deep down. Okay! <laughs> If you say so, YNR, I mean, let's be real. That is a stretch. That is a rewrite. It seems like these writers just want to unite Chelsea and Nick and Adam and Sharon. And okay, I guess, I mean, I guess if that's what you want, I don't really have any choice about it. Uh, You better at least give me some hot, sexy sex scenes or something to make me excited. But the thing is, I don't feel like this Adam and this Sharon are good for each other. I especially don't think that this Adam is good for this Sharon. It is no one's responsibility to reach Adam right now or to change him, or to heal him. Sharon has only been recently healed herself. I don't want to see Sharon running around town, making excuses for Adam, arguing his case for paternity, or I also don't even want to see her chastising him for every single Adam-like thing that he's probably going to do. It just makes Sharon look pathetic, And that's not how I like my Sharon to look. Yet here we are, 
one comment from Chelsea and Sharon is flying out the door while Ray is still in the house. Ray graciously gave Adam and Sharon a moment to talk alone, even though he doesn't want Adam anywhere near Sharon. He knows that Adam is influencing Sharon in one way or another. And here he's given them the space <laughs> to talk about the you know the custody issue, the temporary custody issue. And Sharon just agrees to apply for that custody. She flies out the door with Adam, doesn't even bother to say goodbye to Ray, doesn't even bother to talk to him about it before she runs out to the courthouse and is prepared to bring Christian home with her. What is Sharon doing? I really thought that Sharon was going to get the temporary custody. Not that she was the best fit, but I just had this feeling that YNR would love to throw her into the middle of this even more than she already is. Like, ooh, it would be extra sticky to make Sharon, who had previously thought that Christian was her own son, it would be extra sticky to put Christian with her and then every single custody uh, uh, for the next three months, every single visitation, every everything will have to go through Sharon and she'll be right in the middle of Nick and Adam. I really thought that that was where YNR was going to take it, but they didn't. It is so much for the better. But I mean, it's still bad. Sharon is still in a bad spot. She is supporting Adam. Fine if that's what she wants to do, if that's what she feels, even though it's kind of inexplicable. But it, it also, it's despite her own best interest. She was practically wiping away Adam's tears after the custody hearing. I don't even understand why Adam was so upset about the court ruling. It was at least a partial win for him. Step one would be to dissolve Nick's custody of Christian, and that goal was accomplished. Step two would just be find a way to get himself appointed for the custody. And how hard can that be when you're Adam Newman? And you have photos of the judge. Adam was closer to winning after that ruling than he ever was before. And yet he's crying Sharon a stream and she's row, row, rowing down it. Sharon has elected to be right in the middle of this mess. One week, she's Adam's best friend. The next week, she says she's done with him. Now she's making Team Adam t-shirts and passing them out to the crowd. It's no wonder that Ray is leaving her. (sighs) If this is Ray's last straw, then I don't blame him a bit. Love is a verb. Celeste tells him this week. It is not about what you say. It is about what you do. And Sharon is saying all the right things. I love you. I want you. I'm changed. I'm different. But her actions have proven over and over that she is not over Adam. And that's fine. If she wants Adam and Adam wants her, fine. Be together. But don't stand there and lie to Ray about it. Don't keep him on the hook. Don't stand there 
lie to yourself about it. Ray has done everything for Sharon, right down to sacrificing the job that he loved in order to help get her out of that JT murder jam. And next week, it looks like Ray is headed back, potentially, to the GCPD. We saw him asking Paul for his job back. I am all for it. (laughs) If Adam is going to be having Michael as his puppet... in the DA's office, then I want Ray on the inside at the GCPD lying in wait to get his revenge. Exactly like we said last week. Now, both Michael and Kevin are both stuck in Spider's Web. Yuck, yuck, yuck. You guys are going to have to forgive me for my negativity on this topic because I am not happy with Michael. First of all, Michael recuses himself from Nick's custody case, leaves him hanging out in the wind on the day of the hearing, uses some excuse about a conflict of interest with a donation, blah, blah, blah. Nick is not Michael's priority. Kevin is Michael's priority. His own family is his priority. I get that part. (laughs) The part I don't get is everything else that comes after it. In exchange for dropping Nick as a client, Adam offers Michael the DA position. I hate this. (laughs) First of all, I forgot that apparently Michael was already the DA once. I must have blocked that out of my memory (laughs) because I probably didn't like it then either. I would so much rather see Michael fighting for the little guy, fighting for the truth, rather than just going around and prosecuting people for crimes that they didn't commit, which is all that became of Christine. It was irritating when it became that of Christine, and now they're going to take my favorite character and make that become of him. It's very hard for me to hide my dissatisfaction with this because I feel like YNR has decided to make Michael look dumb and duped by Adam just because they want him to become the newest DA. Why couldn't they have just had Michael come to this conclusion on his own if he wanted to run? He could have just decided that he wanted to do some justice and they could have made him that. They could have gone that route. Uh, Instead, they're trying to act like Michael becoming DA is going to be some sort of elaborate plan. What kind of elaborate plan could possibly be forming in Michael's mind right now wherein it is a good idea for him to quit his own private practice business and run for public office just to get Adam off his back? How does that make any sense? How does that factor into his endgame? Dude, just hand those photos that Adam took of the judge right over to your buddy Paul. (laughs) That's all you have to do. Don't keep digging in the quicksand trying to get out of the quicksand. I thought you were smarter than this. I gave Michael so much more credit than this. Adam went back on their deal immediately, instantly after Michael... 
agreed to make a deal with Adam to drop Nick as his client. Adam says, okay, maybe you want the DA position, maybe you don't. I'll still leave Kevin alone. That's my side of this deal. And surprise, surprise, at that very moment that they're making this deal, Adam still has Kevin doing his dirty work, releasing that video of Nick. Someone needs to outsmart Adam. I was hoping it would be Michael. Instead, Michael just looks like a big oof. (laughs) He looks like a bigger oof than Kevin, and Kevin usually looks like a pretty big oof. Once again, Kevin did try to insist to Michael that maybe we could put our heads together on this one. Let's come up with a plan to stop Adam for good. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not to murder him, though. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I didn't mean murder. I wasn't talking about murder, Kevin says. Kevin was real real quick to squash that notion as it occurred to Michael. I mean, if Adam is going to get murdered by someone like Billy, then Kevin definitely didn't have anything to do with it. Kevin would definitely not have anything to do with it if indeed Adam shows up murdered or if anyone is planning to murder Adam. Definitely, Definitely, though, Kevin didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, right. Michael again tells Kevin to just leave everything up to him. And Kevin agrees. Now is a good time for Kevin to just disappear again with Chloe and Bella. Do it while Adam is distracted with the custody hearing. I actually did hear that Chloe is coming back, at least for a while. So I wonder if Kevin is also going to be back shortly. I just noticed Greg Ricard popping up in the show's opening credits again. So I can't imagine that he's going too far. I think he'll be back. I want him to come back. I mean, the last scene with Kevin and Michael was really, really touching. They had talked throughout the week about that brotherly dynamic that's between them where Michael was always feeling guilty about the fact that he was not able to save Kevin from Terrible Tom and so he's trying to make up for it now. It's like his superpower. And that's usually true. Michael usually saves the day. Maybe this time Kevin's going to save the day. I mean, he just put on his backpack and agreed to skip right out the door. I find that pretty hard to believe. He just had a smile on his face and just left. There's no way he's not up to something. There's no way that he is not up to something. He's talking about getting rid of Adam. Hmm. But for now, Kevin seems to be gone. Basically, Michael has fully swapped places with him. (laughs) Michael is going to find himself very soon in between a rock and a hard place, especially if he's now an elected official right in the middle of this custody mess through Adam's coercion. That's just what you want to be, right? An elected official in a public position uh, while somebody has something on you? Ooh, good idea. 
And what exactly is Michael going to tell Lauren about this? Hmm? Lauren's already on a mission to find out what's going on with her husband, and it is not going to take her too long to figure out that Adam is blackmailing the Baldwin boys. Wow, Jack and Ashley went from sibling rivals to just siblings now to business partners all in the span of one week's time. <laughs> Once again, okay, Jack and Ashley have decided unanimously to just merge their two companies. <laughs> After all that, Jabot and... Abbott Exchange or going to be one company? Does this mean that we're going to see Eileen Davidson more often? I think so. I have a feeling that we're going to be seeing her more. And that's very exciting. I like to see Jack and Ashley working together. I'd like to have some more sense of Jabot, even though I guess I got a little burned out on it last year. But yeah, I think it's exciting news. Tracy was excited by the news. <laughs> Tracy was also probably happy to be talking with Jack and Ashley about anything other than her love life. Jack must have told Ashley all about Tracy's relationship with Kane because it was the very first thing that Ashley asked her about when she walked through the front door. Hey, Tracy, how's how's it going? What's up with you and Kane, girl? <laughs> Oh, you haven't heard the news, Ashley? That is over. That is so last week. <sighs> yeah, Tracy made sure to tell Ashley and Jack and us that she and Kane have just a friendship, a mutual respect, and thus we have <sighs> continued confirmation of the death nail on that storyline. And last week, I asked you if you felt that Tracy and Kane were better off as just friends. 75% of the YNR chatters said no. I was on board the train romance. That is certainly how I felt. And I was very happy to see so many people coming out to vote in support of Tracy and Kane. There was also some uh, uh, some comments and votes against it. 25% wanted them just to remain friends. But it's interesting how that poll swung. Because when we did a Tracy Kane poll about a month or so ago, most of the YNR chatters just wanted to see them be friends. So... Y&R, through the course of the past month, seems to maybe have won some fans over to supporting Train and Casey. Train, Kane, Kane and Tracy, Train, Kane, Train, Kane, Train, Kane. <laughs> they won us over to get on board the train, and then they just steered that train right off the tracks. I am not happy about it at all. Ugh, but I have to move on. I have no choice about these things. I'm not happy. Billy's not happy. Billy was not happy at all about working with Ashley again. Um, but I just don't even think that his dissatisfaction with that had a whole lot to do with her as much as it 
does his own life. Billy is continuing to struggle in all aspects of his life, and it's somehow going totally unnoticed by Victoria. Uh. I mean, the only thing that Victoria did notice this week was that she couldn't get a hold of Billy to let him know that she was going to be bringing an extra kid home tonight. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be sad. It is sad and just, it is not uplifting. Wayanar is not uplifting right now. Early in the week, Billy has a dream that the name Adam is written on the Chancellor Mansion wall. So he goes there and he peels back the wallpaper, reveals the name Adam. It conveniently is written in marker on the Chancellor wall. Kevin, who is there, conveniently pulls back that wallpaper to reveal a little bit more to the writing. Oh, wait, it in fact says, Madam Cordelia. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that must be Madam Cordelia. That was Delia's pretend name when she was playing at the mansion with Catherine and Esther conveniently. So, yeah, man, is Kevin the one who's gaslighting Billy? He's always conveniently right there when one of these things happens to Billy or when Billy needs to talk to someone about it. I mean, he was affirming to Billy that he too thought he saw Delia a couple times after she died. I mean, he's always kind of right there feeding it. The weird one, though, was later when Billy goes to Delia's grave and he actually hears her voice. Again, it is either Billy is going insane and doing this to himself or somebody followed him there and is standing there with a recording of Delia or something. That is so awful. It's so awful to watch. It's so awful to do to someone. What motive would Kevin possibly have for doing this? You would think you would have to hate someone to do this to them. But is Kevin just trying to goat Billy into killing Adam to free everyone of Adam's reign of terror? Is Kevin just thinking that, eh, Billy will get off because everyone will understand that he did it because of Delia? This is not looking good for Billy, especially. Billy did conveniently confess to Sharon this week that he's fantasized about offing her boyfriend. (laughs) Like, what? Sharon's the worst person to possibly tell this to. She's Adam's only ally. And... Sharon did encourage Billy to get a counselor. She made sure to remind him that she is not a counselor. And she might as well have just been saying, okay, well, you go ahead and tell me this, but just so you know, this conversation is not bound by doctor-patient confidentiality, and I will totally be telling this to the cops someday. Why 
hasn't Billy opened up to Victoria yet about what's going on with him. See, I think the fact that Victoria is so clueless, even though there are so many signs that something's wrong with Billy, I think that's what's making me feel extra disconnected from her right now, which is sad because she's been one of my favorite characters and one of the characters I've been able to empathize with a lot. I just think that she is so focused on running Newman Enterprises and getting revenge on Adam that she's missing these big red flags that say, your husband needs you, your husband needs you, your husband needs you. She has time to run around and hang out in the park on Fridays squabbling with Sharon and Phyllis and Chelsea. I uh, I mean, that was a fun scene, I have to say. Um, but Victoria needs to refocus her efforts. She made an ally this week, though. I think Victoria would be happy to never see Phyllis again, but she has decided that now she needs something from Phyllis, so she wants to align with her. Victoria is the one who figured out that Phyllis is selling off assets from Adam's company, Dark Horse. She's selling them to herself, to her own corporation called Summertime Inc. (laughs) And just gauging by the things that Phyllis has said, it sounds like in the end, I'm assuming she's going to be leaving with leaving Adam with a bunch of money. She's not stealing the money. She's just selling the assets on behalf of the business. So he's going to have a bunch of money and no buildings. And presumably the buildings will become hers. Uh, I don't know where she got the money for the investment, but it sounds like maybe the hotel is going to at least become hers. I think that's a pretty cool idea. I like the idea of Phyllis owning and running a hotel. Um, The hotel this week got its name. We have our name of our new hotel that I'm looking forward to the unveiling of. It will be the Grand Phoenix Hotel. I mean, that does sound like a real hotel name, so I like it. Theo was the one who suggested it. Um, There was an interesting scene between Theo and Phyllis. They have an interesting little dynamic between them. She seemed very taken with Theo, and yet she didn't want to give him too much credit. He was the one that suggested the name, and then Phyllis goes, oh, that's fantastic. Actually, it was already on a list somewhere. Really? The Grand Phoenix Hotel happened to be a name on a list of potential hotel names somewhere in your office, (laughs) and then Theo suggested it? Wow. That just sealed the deal. Like a phoenix rising from the ashes, Phyllis will build that hotel. And she's going to let Abby build a lounge on the main floor. I love it. Uh, That partnership worked out. We're going to have another lounge, I suppose. I'm all for it. Bring on the pink pool table, as promised. I wonder if they're actually going to put in a pink pool table. If they do, we will never see it used. That pink pool table will probably sit in the background, becoming a dusty old set piece faster than you can say glowworm. Finally, 
Kyle tells Lola in dirty detail all about his party boy days in New York City. Basically, he says what we already suspected and what I think Lola already suspected that he was spending his time basically being a young, hot, rich guy with no limits. He was having parties and women and drugs. But judging from the previews for next week, mm, there could be something more that went on that Theo was alluding to. Whatever it is, <laughs> I'm sure that it will be Lola's worst fear come true. And I'm almost wondering if there's any way it somehow has anything to do with Summer. Because as Kyle was reassuring Lola that everything that happened in his past is in the past, she's his future, she's the one he loves, she's the one he wants, Lola had this weird moment where she let her insecurity just peek through a little bit. She found a way somehow to relate it back to Summer saying that maybe Kyle was partying so hard because he was so miserable and heartbroken over losing Summer and everything he was doing was just, he was trying to distract himself uh, from everything that happened with Summer. How can Lola still be worried about Summer at this point when Kyle so clearly chose to be with her. Even Summer admitted that this week. Lola was the one. Lola was the one. Kyle couldn't get out of that marriage to Summer fast enough. In fact, it was so fast. I don't even know if he is actually out of the marriage. I still don't know that we've heard anything about an annulment or a divorce. I'm just going to assume that that happened somehow on the back end. Well, as... Kyle was explaining to Lola that his partying days are behind him. He also made some comments, dissing pretty hard on Theo and his lifestyle. Of course, Theo walks in, overhears the whole thing, takes a step back, and then totally out of spite, Theo spots Lola's mom having coffee at Crimson Lights, sits down next to her, buys her a coffee. Probably that coffee was prepared by our brand new Crimson Lights employee of the month. Congratulations, Pat Foley, on your much-earned <laughs> employee of the month award. Boy, YNR really focused on that employee of the month plaque. <laughs> So much, though, that it caused quite a stir at our website. Everyone had to flock there to find out what the deal was with that. Like, everyone's wondering, who's Pat Foley? Is this some kind of inside joke that we are just not on the inside of? <laughs> 
It must be. I mean, YNR put the camera on that plaque for an extended amount of time, long enough to make enough people curious. I just wonder if that was their way of adding a little bit of realism to the show, trying to show us that Crimson Lights is a business, that there are other employees trying to give us a better sense of the world around one of our major hot spots. But all it really did was cause a big stir and a lot of, just a lot of hoopla over a good old Pat. <laughs> are we ever gonna see her? She was, she was previously unmentioned, never seen, and yet she is apparently doing a bang-up job. <laughs> Serving those coffees. Anyway, Theo takes the opportunity to sit down next to Celeste and tell her all about Kyle's past. I think that's all Theo's real intention was was to maybe let Lola's mom know that Kyle hasn't always been so saintly, such a nice boy. But Theo also happens to mention the whole liver transplant and marriage to Summer, which it totally escaped me that Celeste didn't already know about all of that. I mean, I didn't even think about it, the fact that, she didn't even know that Lola had a liver transplant. So I can only imagine that also Theo had no idea that she wouldn't have known about that. I don't know why I didn't think about it. All of those weeks that Lola was in the hospital near death's door and Ray and Arturo never thought to call Celeste, not even once. That is horrible. Forget anything that Theo could have said about Kyle. I mean, Celeste did confront them both about that later, but I would have been way more upset at, at all three of my children for keeping something like this, keeping it from, it from me. The fact that my daughter was having a life-threatening illness, she was inches away from dying and they didn't bother to tell me? What does that say about Celeste's relationship with her children? Well, I'd say it says that YNR had absolutely no plans of casting Lola's mom at the time that Lola was on her hospital deathbed. <laughs> That's what that says. But given that fact, I do think that YNR did a good job of using it to fuel Celeste's very relatable feelings about it. I really enjoyed her sit-down chat with Phyllis. They were just being two moms. We saw that parallel of Summer and Lola sitting down and talking about their moms, and now we saw Phyllis and Celeste sitting down and talking about their daughters and realizing in some ways that maybe it's a cycle, you know, this cycle of relationships with moms and their daughters and remembering how they felt uh, about their moms. And it's just something that kind of repeats. It was a really nice, casual, real conversation. I just like Celeste. There was something about the, when she sat down with Phyllis, it seemed like they'd known each other forever. That conversation just seemed so comfortable. And then Celeste also even talked to Summer, and that seemed like a very comfortable conversation. I, I mean, it was so real that I think even Summer was changed a little bit by it. I'm wondering if maybe Celeste sparked a reconciliation for Summer and Phyllis next week. 
But I thought it was going to go a little differently. Celeste asked Summer about Kyle and that marriage and the surgery, and it was really, really eye-opening. I thought that Summer was going to take that opportunity to slam Kyle and maybe turn Celeste against him, but she didn't. Summer was very humble, and she said... I think I was the one that was to blame for everything that happened there. I wish I would have behaved differently. And um, and yeah, it was it was really kind of eye-opening for Summer and for Celeste. I'm wondering if we're starting to see a change in Summer's character, a little bit of a turn for her. And that doesn't bode well <laughs> for the... Um, continued marriage path for Kyle and Lola. The fact that Summer is now all of a sudden seeming like she's got the mea culpa makes me think that it could spell doom for Kyle and Lola. But ultimately, that conversation goes well. And even though it goes well, Celeste realizes that maybe what her relationship with her daughter needs is just some space. I mean, enough has been said and done between them. I can completely understand why Celeste would feel offended. I also understood weeks ago why Lola felt a little bit um, put off by the things that her mom was saying and doing. So maybe these two just need some space. Lola's old enough to make her own decisions. She's certainly not open to her mom's advice right now. So maybe Celeste should just go where she's needed. Back to... Miami with Arturo and Mia. Celeste packs a bag. She leaves. She doesn't even commit to coming back for the wedding. That part was a little sad. I can feel that Celeste wanted to be involved in the wedding. I mean, the father wasn't involved in Lola's life, but that doesn't mean that Celeste hasn't been. It's just, I think Celeste couldn't figure out where she fit in, and so she needed to leave. It was a real shame, because I thought this actress had a real natural warmth with everyone that she shared a scene with. I really thought that maybe she was going to end up being paired with Jack, well, who knows? It really kind of seems like a lot of our characters are coming and going these days. So maybe there will be some more future story for her. Maybe especially if Theo somehow blows up Kyle and Lola's relationship sky high. The only thing left to do is place your bets. <laughs> Vote in the poll. Will Kyle and Lola make it down the aisle? <laughs> Let's find out what the YNR chatters are predicting about that this week. YRchat.com is the website. Will Kyle and Lola actually make it down the aisle? If there is some kind of big, deep, dark secret between Kyle and Theo and Kyle has not told Lola about it intentionally, it could definitely be enough to destroy their relationship, especially if Lola is feeling pretty insecure anyway. <sighs> Kyle did confront Theo about what he told Celeste. Kyle grabbed Theo by his collar, made a big production out of their fight, told Theo that he's dead to him. And Theo's reaction to that was... 
basically to act like he was just doing Kyle a favor. I mean, Lola has changed him. Lola's changed you, bro. And not for the better. <laughs> oh, man. Theo's, you know, I can't blame him for everything. I don't think he could have known about Celeste having no clue of Lola's surgery. But I also do think that he is trying to put little seeds of doubt into their relationship. I don't know. He's losing some awesome points with me. I vote more wet towels and pool parties from Theo uh, and less sabotaging of his buddy's relationship for no reason. Why is Theo so jealous? It's very immature and very selfish. Some people just move on. They get married. They don't live the same life forever. If Theo thinks that Lola is a bad babe for Kyle, then why not just let Kyle figure that out on his own? Why would Theo want to be the bad guy. Theo had to know that Celeste was going to freak out and run back to them and one for one reason or another. I don't know. I just don't know that Lola is going to be able to forgive Kyle if there is some secret that's on the table. What's what what could it be? <laughs> We're in the same boat that she is. What secret could Theo be keeping that is so bad that it can't even be mentioned aloud? This week, Devon and Elena hosted a dinner party and Abby and Nate attended. I thought it was very nice seeing four people just sitting there, getting along, having fun. What a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I am surprised that Abby didn't ask to borrow Devon's big fur blanket on her way out so that she could take that back to Nate's house and use it for their first lovemaking session. Oh, we were just talking about that last week. And here we are. First, getting it on for Abby and Nate. It was good. <laughs> Nate was a little bit clueless at first. <laughs> but Abby just gave him this look. It was real hungry. And he caught on quick enough. <laughs> Oh, I, I loved everything about the, that those that sequence of scenes. I loved the way that Abby was looking in that yellow dress with the teardrop cut out. She was very tan, and she just looked very summery and very beautiful. I always love the way YNR has had her styled, always. Um, say what I want about the character and the actress. I always love her fashion. Um, it is interesting to me that Abby and Nate and Devon and Elena seem almost to be step in step with each other each week, moving into new places, making love in them. Uh, and I think that's a friendship that I would like to continue to see. It's nice to have couples just hanging out. Oh, well, at Devon's penthouse when the dinner party is over, Anna comes home, and she lets us know, lets everyone know, that Jet 
has been hospitalized for his, his vocal cord injury. It is acting up again. I am sure that Jet may need to put on one of those big chunky scarves that he was wearing when we first met him. You know, it helps keep those vocal cords warm. <laughs> Devon and Elena and Anna all agree that they should fly out to see Jet to be with him. And I'm sorry to say, you guys, out of the blue, I think that that's the last time we're going to be seeing Anna for a while because Lauren Lott is leaving the show. And I read that the July 25th episode was her final scene. I didn't even know that she was leaving uh, she just made it into the credits last week, and now she's gone? She did mention in the Soaps in Depth interview that she was told by YNR that the writers just didn't know what to do creatively with her character, so they wanted to spend their budget elsewhere. And I think that the lack of direction for Anna's character was very much picked up on by the viewers. Anna really hasn't done very much besides support Devon, get involved in his life, or she's had a few run-ins with Mariah and Tessa. It wasn't very compelling. It wasn't very exciting. It wasn't very creative. <laughs> but I'll tell you, if YNR told me that the reason they were getting rid of my character was because they didn't know what to do with her creatively, my response would be, well, get creative. <laughs> That's your job. But I guess not. I mean, I guess that's it. Devon and Elena are probably going to come back next week. They're going to return to town, and they're going to tell us that Anna decided to stay with Jet in whatever city that they're in. She's going to help nurse him back to health. And Elena's going to decide to stay to pursue her relationship with Devon. I don't know. It doesn't look good. Why in our, I, I think the new writers, are, aren't they the ones who brought Anna and Jet on? They brought them there and then haven't done anything with them. I'm not holding out any hope that we're ever going to see Jet again. Ending on an up note, I loved seeing Nikki and Victor retirement vacationing. It was so wonderful. The only thing they had to do was try to schedule their dinner plans around their massage plans. It sounds fabulous. I just loved seeing them getting away and being casual and not doing anything. <laughs> they were just hanging around the hotel room, talking about planning a trip to Paris, doing more of this resting and relaxing. I loved it. But Victor also confided in Nikki that he wants to stop his treatments, his medical treatments, because he's starting to feel the side effects. 
And Nikki convinces him to stay the course, will stay close to home, continue with the treatment, even though Victor is feeling like his life is not even worth living if he loses his independence. But the fact that she told him basically, you just need to keep these treatments up for another couple months. It will gain you the rest of your life. That right there tells me that this is Victor's illness is just a plot device. It will be wrapped up in a few months. They're going to use his diminished mental capacity to have forward momentum for some storyline, probably having to do with Adam and Newman Enterprises, and then he's going to pop right back up in a few months. We're going to declare that the treatments have worked. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Fine. Since we were in a similar hotel room that looked very, very, very close to Tracy's New York City hotel room from last week, I'm just glad that Nikki didn't decide to break up with Victor out of the blue, telling him that they will ju be just the best of friends and only friends, just friends, when they get back to Genoa City. What are you, a robot? <laughs> that was our who said it quote from last week. The answer was Nick. He said it to Phyllis. He was asking how she could turn on and off her emotions or turn off her emotions like she was a robot. Uh, quite a few of you guys guessed that right. It was Keisha, Anna, Henry, Coral, Ambreen, Tina Cole, Justin, Diana, and Bon. I still didn't figure out, uh, nobody told me what the who said it quote I was supposed to pick last week was. Gary said he thought it was um, about Phyllis commenting that eye candy's real tasty, but it makes you sick. <laughs> if I would have picked that one, everybody would have known. But I think it's funny that you guys are thinking about which quotes I'm going to pick for the week. You're, you're thinking more like me than me. <laughs> At this point, because I, I heard the line, but um, I think that was it would have been a little too obvious for me to pick it. I got to try to make it at least a little bit of a challenge. We'll see how I did this week. Who said this? Punish me. Punish me. <laughs> uh, when I heard that, I knew it. I knew that was the one. Do you know who said punish me? Punish me. If you do, then you should go to yrchat.com, leave your guess, and if you get it right, then I will give you your shout-out on next week's YNR Chat. Well, let's talk about that Kane and Tracy poll. I got a lot of really, really good comments about this relationship. There was a, a lot of people who were very disappointed to see that it was going to be ending, uh, but there were also some comments uh, who, who just didn't feel like that chemistry was there. So let's dig in to comments about Tracy and Kane. Tina says, I was really disappointed in Tracy's reaction when Kane wanted to see what would happen next. I'm still hopeful that Tracy will reevaluate her feelings and realize that not only is she attracted to him, but she is in love with him. Maybe she's afraid of getting hurt and maybe losing her best friend if things don't work out. 
the writers need to listen to the train fans and not the lane fans. Lily had her chance, and she has made it known that there is no more future for her and Kane. I say, let's explore the older woman, younger man romance. Tracy and Kane are not only hot, but romantic and caring. They bring out the best in each other. Oh, that's a good way of putting it, Tina. They bring out the best in each other. But I also really like your point that I wonder if it was big, big, big fans of Kane and Lily that had such a vicious reaction about Kane being paired with Tracy. I wonder if Weiner's going to bring Crystal Khalil back now. I almost got the sense that maybe she, like, that some people exited the show because of Mal Young, the previous writer, and with the new writing team, that was when Lily came back a little bit for some cameos here and there. I wonder if they will end up bringing her back on full-time, especially now that Anna's going away. Maybe she can have that sisterly connection to Devon that they seem to to want to develop. Maybe Weiner cut Kane and Tracy because they're going to bring Lily back and they're going to have a reunion there. I find that disappointing. I mean, honestly, we've been uh, with Kane and Lily a lot and I was all for it. But if YNR was going to go to the trouble of divorcing them, then I don't want to just see a reunion immediately. I would have rather seen something new for Kane. I mean, as you say, I think Kane and Tracy had some, uh, had a quality where they brought out the best in each other. That's a really, really good. But I don't think, I don't think YNR is going to change their minds now. Uh, I don't think Tracy's going to change her mind now. I mean, unfortunately, I just don't see it happening. I think that they made the decision not to move forward with the relationship, and it's pretty clear the way she told him it was just friends, that she meant it, and then she followed up on it, mentioning it to Ashley. So I just can, I don't think that they're going to backpedal on it. And even if they did, it would probably be months down the road. I just don't think so. Jamie D says Tracy deserves someone so much better than Kane. Kane's not good enough for Tracy. I want Tracy to meet a love worthy of her. Hmm. Well, who then? Who, who, would, who would we rather see Tracy with and who would we rather see Kane with if we're not going to have this pairing then I would love to hear some suggestions for other pairings Coral says I'm a bit on the fence with this one I would like to see Tracy have some luck in love but Kane if he couldn't stay loyal to Lily what chance has Tracy got we've been through all of the insecurity days when she hooked up with Brad all those years ago and I feel this would take her character right back to then Besides, we all know as soon as he gets any interest from Lily, he will run back to her in a heartbeat. Oh, well, I mean, I guess I would like to believe that Tracy would have evolved past the insecurities that she had, and I would like to believe that Kane wouldn't necessarily just run back to Lily, but that part is probably right. I think that I could understand from Tracy's perspective if she didn't want to get involved with Kane because she felt like he was on the rebound. That's legit. He was begging Lily to get back to him with him not even that long ago. I just wish maybe Tracy would have left a crack in the door and she didn't seem to. But um, but yeah, that's just me. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll ask. If, if not Tracy with Kane, then who? Who would be a better match? For Tracy. 
Astra says, I wanted Kane and Tracy to stay friends. I think Kane has really only been laying it on thick romantically with Tracy for the last few weeks. Prior to that, he was going on about getting back with Lily. So, yes, I think Kane was having some rebound feelings for Tracy, and maybe Tracy realized that. I just wish she would have said it then. None of that was expressed. Bond says, I think the negative social media backlash is the reason why YNR took a step back. But seriously, this is a time to be bold, Bond says. Be bold. Yeah, I know. I agree. They, that is the thing. If they were going to dip their toe in the pool, they should have jumped in. They should have just jumped in and let it be what it was going to be. Why did they tease it only to pull it back at the very last second? I mean, they built this up for months, and then they ripped the rug out from under. I think, as you say, that it was because of the social media backlash. I think the fans didn't like it, and I think they chickened out. And that's just entirely me projecting. (laughs) But I agree. Well, we could switch gears now. Astra says, does anybody think there is something more going on with Kyle and Theo's past in NYC? I was thinking that maybe while they were at a wild party, someone got raped. And maybe Kyle thought Theo did it. Maybe Theo thought Kyle had something to do with it. Either way, they both decided to stay quiet about it to protect each other and their images, which won't go well with anybody in town. In the end, maybe it could turn out that neither of them had anything to do with it, but they'll still be on the outs with everybody for not reporting the crime. Maybe that's a little much, but I really don't see Lola and Kyle making it down the aisle, and we all know Lola will not forgive Kyle for that. Oh, you know, Ashley, Astra, I was thinking that too. Like, maybe there was some kind of rape or something dark like that. But the thing about it and why it connects into your theory is it almost seems like Kyle doesn't know what Theo's talking about. I mean, every time Theo has made some kind of comment about, you know, the thing that we're hiding, the thing that happened, okay, your secret's with me, it almost seems like Kyle doesn't know what he's saying unless Kyle's just doing a really good job of hiding it. So it is possible that Theo thinks something happened and it didn't really. I don't know. And I keep thinking, does it have anything to do with Summer? Only because we're just now starting to see that turn in in Summer's character. She's just now starting to say that she was not so blameless when it came to that relationship with Kyle. And and it just seems almost like now Theo's turned into a little bit of the bad guy. Summer's turned into a little bit of a good guy, which to me doesn't bode well for Kyle and Lola. And as you say, Astra, uh, I don't really see Lola and Kyle making it down the aisle. I'm starting to think so. I'm starting to think maybe it won't happen. The writers basically set up a bunch of stories and now they're pulling out of all of them. Or that's how it potentially feels. If Kyle and Lola don't make it down the aisle, then I think that's that's messed up. They were going somewhere with Anna and Jet, and then they pulled out of it. They were going somewhere with Tracy and Kane, and they pulled out of it. They don't know what they're doing with Adam. There are instances all over the place of this writing team maybe just not knowing what they're doing. 
Well, Bond says, I love that Theo is stirring up the pot these days. These storylines feel so flat. Heavy drama is badly needed. Although, I should say, it wasn't Theo's fault that both Kyle and Lola, no one even informed the mother about the surgery. Oh, I'm going to pause there, Bon, because I do agree uh, about that. But also, I think it's important to note that Theo was fun a couple of weeks ago. Theo was the best thing going on a couple of weeks ago. I loved his attitude. I loved the party boy. It was just, I don't know, it was interesting to watch. And now all of a sudden he's kind of a bad guy or they're wanting to present him like a bad guy. And But as you say, it wasn't really his fault that Kyle and Lola didn't bother to tell her mother. Okay, going on uh, with Bond's comment. Summer saying that what happened between her and Kyle was her fault? Isn't that Kyle that was the one who initiated the deal? It was, and wasn't it? That after Lola gave up her liver that she lost everything? Jeez. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Kyle was at fault for that whole thing. So I never even realized it. But yeah, what Summer was saying was taking a lot of responsibility for that marriage when honestly it was Kyle who got them all into that whole mess. So that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, let's shift over to a fashion note here. Boy, Jamie and Lauren both had left comments about Sharon's outfit on Friday. It's, I was definitely cued into that park fashion. <laughs> and Sharon had on this pair of white high-waisted shorts. The thing that bothered me the most about the shorts was that they were so wrinkly. Why didn't somebody steam her out before putting her in front of the screen? The the cut of them didn't bother me that much. Uh, but it also was paired with that tank top that had the pretty uh, blue lace in, kind of sewed onto the top of it. I mean, the top was really pretty, but it also didn't fit with the shorts. You could tell when she turned around that the top was tucked in weirdly to the shorts, which were really, really high on her. And also, I thought that Chelsea's outfit was worse than Sharon's. Chelsea Chelsea's outfit looked like it was made of paper. <laughs> I don't know how she was walking around in that thing. It was so stiff and weird and it didn't flow at all. I don't know who was styling those ladies, but it was not a thumbs up from me. I don't remember what Victoria was wearing, but I did love Phyllis's pantsuit and she was wearing it too. Phyllis was wearing the, I think it was, a, I don't know if it was one piece or not, but jumpsuits are all the rage right now. Phyllis had her hands in the pockets, like she was modeling that thing. <laughs> Phyllis got my best dressed for the park interaction. I'll say that. Who was your best dress, best and worst, for that park interaction? And why can't I remember what Victoria was wearing? Probably because if anybody's a robot right now, it's Victoria. What are you, a robot, Victoria? <laughs> Laura says, Ray friggin' hightailed it out of there. When Sharon saw Ray was about to leave, she swooped in for a kiss to lure him into bed like the succubus she is. He fell under her spell momentarily, then was able to pull himself away, grab his bag, and run out of the house and away from Sharon's clutches. I have never seen anyone move that fast on The Young and the Restless before. Brilliant! Brilliant! 
It was be it was a beauteous thing to behold. Sharon is awesome. She's a man eater. Ray, she called after him. I love you. <laughs> oh, that genuinely delights me, Laura. He did move pretty fast. She scooped him up into a kiss, and he was making these kind of annoying grunting sounds in that kiss. I was a little turned off because he was like, mm, mm. I'm like, I don't want to hear you grunting. <laughs> <laughs> and then he pu he pulled away from the kiss. It, it was as if she was luring him through some sex magic. And then he woke up from the spell and realized what he was doing. And he grabbed his bag and he ran out of there so fast like lightning. He needed to, though. I could almost feel him thinking, Gray, grab your bag and run out of here because if you don't do it now, you will never do it. Just do it. And I'm in support of it. Ray should leave Sharon. Even I mean, you know, I loved Ray and Sharon, but if Sharon's not going to be cool, then she don't deserve Ray. Who does deserve Ray? Who else could we pair him with? You know, Ray and Abby would have been good, too. Ooh, are they related in any way? Anytime I speculate about couple pairings anymore, I have to ask myself, okay, hold on. Wait a minute. Are they related? <laughs> Because I seem to have a trouble remembering all of the intertwining familial, familial relationships. Well, T. Nicole says, So, Sharon now supports Adam in regards to Christian. He makes one plea that he needs her and only her. And now she's team Adam. I know it. Last week, she was telling him she was done with him. Didn't want to have anything to do with him. He's just as bad as everybody says. And now she's ready to hand a kid over to him. Okay. Laura says Sharon should have guaranteed Nick maintained custody by not showing up with Adam. That would have shown the judge that Adam has no support from anyone in Genoa City. Interim custody would have remained with Nick until the judge could sort it out. Well, I, th I do think the concern was that they were going to chuck the kid into foster care. I mean, Victoria still would have been a suitable temporary guardian. But you made a good point that Sharon had a key role there. Not only could she have showed up in court, or not only could she have not showed up in court, she could have showed up in court and then spun it around and did an impromptu, I don't think Adam deserves to have custody of this child, I support Nick kind of thing, which would have made Adam look bad to the judge. Sharon definitely would have been in a position to make Adam look bad and to help Nick and she has clearly chosen her side she clearly has chosen her side and it just again hasn't really been explained why if Sharon supports Adam okay okay but let's let's let Sharon then provide us with the dialogue as to why Adam deserves custody and they're not really doing that either I don't want to see her just, like, making excuses for him. Again, that's kind of pathetic. But if Sharon has a really great logical reason why Adam should have the custody, then she should be the one saying it to everyone. I guess she did a little bit of that in the park. But it just comes off as, I don't know, like Sharon's being manipulated or Sharon is manipulating. I'm not sure. I don't like what they're doing with Sharon, and I don't, I don't like what they're doing with Adam. Sandra says... Is Sharon the love of Adam's life? I thought heaven and earth revolved around Chelsea. 
The show portrayed Adam and Chelsea as soulmates at any cost, no matter what. Not even a changed face could separate them. Now it's all about Sharon. When Chelsea said that Adam wanted Sharon all along and that it's always been about Sharon, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) No kidding, Sandra. I mean, you and me both. I was right there with you. Gary says, although Sharon and Adam were also developed as soulmates, long ago he had cruelly cast Sharon off to the audience's eye and never gave her a second thought. Sharon was a non-issue, and Chelsea never felt any kind of pull between Adam and Sharon. This is an example of when a show and writer thinks their audience is stupid. This is, this is the point, Gary, is that Sharon was a, as you put it, non-issue for Adam and Chelsea. There was never really a triangle. I mean, Chelsea kind of came along, and Adam was into her immediately. Whoever was writing at that time, I think, wanted to break Sharon and Adam up. But for the entire duration of Adam and Chelsea's relationship, I don't think ever once I saw him looking back. There was that weird period of time where I think after Sharon burned down the ranch and Adam was harboring her, that maybe there could have been some insecurity from Chelsea, but that was so long ago. And I really did feel like Adam was just trying to help her. I didn't get the, like like he felt uh, like he owed her and wanted to help her, but I didn't get the feeling even back then that it was going to turn into anything romantic because also Sharon was pretty unstable at that point. But I mean, honestly... This was a non-issue at the time for the entire, like, seven-year duration of Adam and Chelsea's relationship, and only right now is it an issue, and it's only an issue because the writers want it to be. Leslie says, the thing is, they could have done this without a bizarre rewrite. If Chelsea is going to hate, disapprove, or whatever of what Sharon's doing with Adam, they should have shown us a scene or two of him doing something that justified it. If Sharon is suddenly the soulmate for Adam, show the characters realizing this as the situation evolves, not just act like it's always been. To me, this is lazy writing. Ooh, 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 yeah. Ooh. Show it evolve. Don't just act like it's always been. Mm-hmm. And we noticed. We got quite a few comments on this topic this week. Zuperplex says, before it was all about Adam. Even when Chelsea was in a serious relationship with Billy, she could not help but pine over Adam. He was the love of her life. And so on and so forth. Now we're supposed to believe that her transitory relationship with some fly-by-night paramour is more important to her than Adam, who, by the way, just so happens to be the father of her child. I'm not buying it. Okay, and so now Zuperplex is bringing us to the other side of this whole thing. Not only is it just not so that Adam was always pining over Sharon, it's also just not so that... Chelsea got over Adam. It was always Adam. Even when she was with Nick, it was always Adam. Now that's the truth. It's so opposite, right? 
Well, Astra says if they wanted to pair Adam and Sharon again, just do it. Don't rewrite the history. Like, Adam and Sharon have always been soulmates. I've never been a fan of Nick and Sharon, but they have been written as soulmates, and so has Adam and Chelsea over the years. I personally like Sharon with Ray, and I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I like Nick with Chelsea as well. Adam needs to be alone until he's ready to be redeemed. Oh, Astra! Yes! Adam needs to be alone until he's ready to be redeemed. Yes, yes, yes! I so agree. They should have left Sharon and Ray alone and let Adam have his whole renaissance where he just comes to realize they need to, they need to have that turnaround in Adam's character and then throw him into a romance, whoever it may be with. Yeah, there's just... Uh, Eh, it ain't right. But Shakona says, I don't mind the rewrite at this point. If anyone's going to make us love Adam again, it might as well be Sharon. I think they can balance each other's imperfections out well. Besides, it's time that the whole Ray and Sharon relationship comes to a screeching halt. Not only are they not compatible, but Ray deserves better. I wonder if the fans were responding and saying that Sharon and Ray weren't working and then YNR just decided to use uh, Adam as the catalyst to break them up. I don't know what these people are doing. But it's interesting to note that Shakona doesn't doesn't mind it being rewritten. I guess maybe some of us are just, yeah, some of us maybe are just a little more, um, I don't know, when you get into a couple and you believe that they're soulmates, uh, then it's hard to just go, mm, okay, I guess that wasn't true. <laughs> For me, anyway. Oh, oh, okay, here we go. How about this? Gary says, people won't necessarily agree with this, but I'm proposing that the actor playing Adam, who's perfectly fine, although maybe miscast in 2019 as opposed to him landing the role before Michael Mooney, uh, it doesn't especially have any chemistry with any of his current women. It can develop, but at this point, he's an emotional island unto himself. It is because he appears years younger that, or is it because he appears years younger than others in his social circle? For now, Adam seems best partners partnered up with Kick Me Backpack Kevin. <laughs> Well, see, this is interesting, Gary, because it almost seems like Adam has the same chemistry with everyone. It doesn't even matter if they're male or female. He has, he, it, it, it's the same with everyone. It's, it's almost, I don't know that it's not so much that he doesn't have chemistry with anyone. I think it's that he has chemistry with everyone. It's all the same. No, I mean, I don't know. Let's go. His burning love of desire for Sharon doesn't look a whole lot different to me than his burning desire to tell Kevin what to do. <laughs> it's so not the actor, really. I mean, it's just that the writing doesn't have the nuance that maybe we're looking for. Um, Leslie says another thing that the writers have gone wrong with, with the Adam return, is the lack of story with Jack. 
I always enjoyed their friendship. Ooh, Leslie, wouldn't it have been interesting if instead of calling Sharon, Adam would have called Jack to help out with the custody battle? I really liked their friendship too, uh, and it just has absolutely not been built on at all. I mean, like they had a fa- they had the father son relationship that Victor and Adam didn't have. And Jack really hasn't even taken any time to check in with Adam. Maybe that's going to be coming? I hope so. Consuela says, I'm sorry, but I had to laugh when Christian came out when they saw as kids in these soap operas. It's ridiculous. I literally busted out laughing when Christian came out. Like, really? It was only a week ago that we saw him as a little boy. And now this. <laughs> Diana says, I hate to say it, but I think that Nick purposely hired a plus-size nanny so that he doesn't have the temptation to want to sleep with the hired help. We all know that Nick can't resist us slim, sexy women. He hired her in Christian's best interest, but also in his best interest, too. <laughs> Gary says, I think YNR needs that bigger kid, the new uh, Christian, to better hate on Adam when he goes to live with him and making Adam's life a living hell, he will. Go for it, Sully. Okay, now this would be an interesting way to redeem Adam's character. Why don't they, if they're going to give Christian over to Adam, then why don't they show Christian being a little bit hard on him and show Adam being a dad? That would be a good way to redeem him and develop him and establish what a great father that we are so often told that he is without having to use a woman to do it, without having to have it be contingent on whether Sharon's there or wherever, whether Chelsea's there. I would really like to see that. Send Christian to be with Adam and let him raise hell and let Adam figure out how to be a good dad and a better person in the process. That would be interesting to watch. Oh, let's talk about Billy. Sandra says, is it possible that Kevin is gaslighting Billy, playing on his hatred for Adam? Maybe Kevin hopes to incite enough rage in Billy, reminding him of Delia's death and Adam's part in it, that Billy will try to get rid of Adam and therefore Kevin's problems with Adam will be nullified. You know what, Sandra, you left this comment early in the week and I thought, I just don't see Kevin doing it. It would be particularly cruel. And then as the week developed, I'm like, she's right. She, I think she's, I think you're right. I think somehow, for some reason, Kevin is gaslighting Billy. And it's really sad and really sick. Marianne V says, it's possible, but I didn't think it was Kevin. He knows how much Billy loved Delia. I think Billy's doing it to himself because Adam never paid for Delia's death and he can't stand it. It's just would be so hard and horrible to believe of Kevin. It it's, is certainly possible that that Billy could be doing it to himself. I mean, the thing that that makes that not seem as likely to me is the fact that Billy seems to dream something and then he goes to the mansion and it's there in reality. I don't know. Somebody had to write it on the wall. Somebody had to write it on the desk. 
And I just, I don't know. He would have to be, Billy would have to be really out of it to be doing that himself. Kevin is staying at the mansion. He has access to be doing all of those things. And as I said last week, I think Chance is still potentially a contender, but it's starting to look more like Kevin. Uh, And we know Chloe is coming back. Tony says someone is tricking Billy, but it makes more sense to be Chloe for some reason. Or since it's a soap opera, maybe it's Delia brought back. Maybe Chloe knows about her being alive and is talking her that Billy left her in the car rewriting a little but it's been a while um now we should just call this the young and the resurrected this writing team is weird (laughs) well I mean I the thing is we know Chloe's coming back so I don't think that the story is over I think they are going to bring Chloe and Kevin back and potentially connect it into whatever's going on with Billy um that seems to always be the story when it comes to Chloe and Billy it can never be about anything but Delia at this point I would be completely freaking shocked though if Delia was still alive I I I want to say that's a bridge too far but as you say this writing team is weird and all they've done so far that another they've taken over is resurrect characters who were dead That seems to be their preference. (sighs) Well, Laura says, I really miss Neil these days. Victor needs a friend. Anna needs someone to settle her down. Devon needs someone to talk to. Anything other than the topic of Devon. Christoph St. John really was the heart of the show, and I can't imagine how terrible the adjustment on and off the set was just after his passing. The cast and crew most likely still struggle. It was a terrible loss. His poor family and their broken hearts and poor us viewers too. Oh, that really speaks to me because can you imagine how good Neil would be right now coaching Victor through what he's going through? Uh, I mean, and just everything. He was just, he, he really was a very special character and I do Darn it, miss him. Um, Sandra says, Christoph's birthday was July 15th, and I saw a photo online of Joshua Morrow, Brighton James, and Daniel Goddard at the unveiling of Neil's headstone on his birthday. Um, It's in the form of a bench, and it's engraved with the quote, I stay looking up. So sad. Hmm. I did look that up because I wanted to see the photo. Um, It's Christoph St. John's actual uh, headstone, and I saw that engraving. I stay looking up. Hmm. I want to know the story behind that quote. Does anybody know? Is it from maybe a piece of music or a, a poem or something? But, you know, it makes sense because he did seem like someone who had so much to overcome, and yet he stood there looking up, you know? It's a choice. You can stand there looking down and you can be dragged down or you can stand looking up. And I think he tried very hard to, to stay looking up. Well, on a lighter note, Diana, who regaled us with her story of meeting Eric Braden last week, she also wanted to let us know that uh, there is going to be another event, December 8th, 2019, Opportunity 
It is going to be a March of Dimes event where Kate Linder is going to be there. She's going to be hosting. Actually, um, uh, uh, Kate Linder, who plays Esther, uh, ticket prices are in the $1 to $250 range for like just the basics. Actually, not that bad of a price tag, and it benefits charity. Um, I could see myself doing I could see myself doing something. I don't know if that one would be my thing, but I love tea. If it is a, a, a tea, it seems like it's kind of a tea dinner, like a show and a tea and maybe a meal. Um, that sounds wonderful. I could see myself doing that. I'm so far away from Toronto, though. Um, yeah, I, I really want to, I almost kind of want to do a fan event or something. Anna had asked me last week if I had would ever consider doing a meetup with YNR Chatters. And of course, I love that idea, but I think it's overestimating how many YNR Chatters there are. I mean, like, it, w- it would be probably impossible to find a central location for everybody. And it's not, I mean, it's not like there's tons of YNR our chatters in every city. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how I begin to organize something like that, although I love the idea. But if any, if there is a fan event, uh, maybe if it happened to be in the Midwest or something and somebody gives me a heads up about it, I would consider it. Uh, and then anybody else who wanted to go, we could do um, like, a, hey, let's, let, why not? Let's everybody just kind of meet up there. So, so anybody who has the inside scoop on any U.S. Uh, meetups, um, I mean, this is this is great, Diana, uh, for for Canadians for sure. Um, I just don't know that I could travel to Canada for that. But if there is anything um, that uh, that anyone knows about that would be a meetup within the U.S. that's maybe in the Midwest or a central location. I'd be totally open for that. I mean, I feel a little hesitant sometimes about meeting the YNR stars, but meeting other YNR fans, count me in. Okay, everybody, another week and a whole nother list of complaints. <laughs> I feel like I'm being a little bit negative on the show right now. And I don't mean to be. Bear with me. I will get it together. You know, it's like sometimes I feel like the show goes through its growing pains. And I'm going through my growing pains too. Sometimes I'm in a good mood and watching the show and I love it. And then sometimes I'm in a grumpy mood and I'm, everything about the show kind of ticks me off. <laughs> and sometimes it's right in the middle. I think we're all that way. Well, why don't you go to the website and tell me what way you're feeling this week. YRChat.com. It's always a pleasure to read your comments and to interact with you. And please come back next week. We'll chat again about our show and hopefully have a good time. (laughs) Okay, everybody. I love ya. Bye.